My love, I am so happy and so pleased to announce that this episode is brought to you by my very own company, Savage Chocolates, which is all about cultivating a more loving relationship to your body and to food. You know, we don't really believe in guilty pleasure. We just believe in pleasure done well. And have you ever had that uh, candy bar or a thing of ice cream and you eat it and you're like, wait, I don't, I don't remember eating that. (laughs) Wait, where'd that go? (laughs) Well, that's why I created Savage Chocolates because I know the importance of pleasure. And I think that we don't slow down enough to actually experience it. And so... If you are wanting to eat mindfully, if you are wanting to be reminded of how to actually experience your pleasure, then please go to www.savagelosangeles.com to order your goods. All right, you guys, let's get to it. Thank you so much for being here. You guys, today we have Sarah Bueno on the podcast and I'm just see to, I'm excited to see where this conversation goes. Me too. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about who you are, what you do and why the fuck you do it? Yes. Um, thank you for cussing. That is my love language. Mm-hmm. Um, so my name is Sarah Bueno. I am the owner of a group practice in Chicago group therapy practice. I am a podcaster as well, which you'll be on my podcast very soon too. Oh my God. I teach at a local university about addiction and I'm a dog mom. I'm a wife and I sing. So I do too much. (laughs) And yeah, it's too much. (laughs) It's not too much. It's perfect. (laughs) You know, I have to tell you, like I pretty much match everything that you just said, except for the therapist and the wife part, but I am a dog mom and, um, I, you know, do sing and, um, do a duet. Yeah. But truly, (laughs) and we're both drinking a LaCroix, right? Yes. Bubbly so is my my sparkling beverage of choice, same. but today, Alexa, Seriously. get out. Get yeah. out. Yeah, I won't. This is happening. This is real life. I love it. I love what it. What kind of dog do you have? Um, He is, let's see, I have to remember all of the parts. Oh he's goodness. like almost 50% Chihuahua. So you can, he's 10 pounds of terror. And there's Pomeranian, <laughs> there's Beagle, there's Minpin, there's Rat Terrier and Fox Terrier. Yes, those are all the parts. I love it. I love He's, it. His name is Batman because he looks like a bat. Like when we first got him, his little ears, like yes. to, like if you look at a picture of a bat and you look at him, you're like, no yeah. diff. Yeah. And he has such a big personality that we were like, Batman is kind of hilarious. Yeah. We need it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, right? Well, Tell me about your baby. Oh, my sweet little bear. Well, I have a, a French bulldog named no, Hugo. I know. So He's such a pumpkin. And so he has the bat ears too. So yes. we got the bat ear babies. Oh, I wish they could play together. You know, I wish so too. And I was walking Hugo today and I, you know, he's so like, he's a really kind little boy. And mm. this dog was walking with their owner. <laughs> the dog was walking with the owner. Yeah, yeah. The owner was walking with the dog. But, right. um, and, and I was like, my dog's really friendly. And he was like, me too. And Hugo went up and the dog bit his cheek and he no. started bleeding. It was very dramatic. So oh, Hugo's baby. in recovery on the floor. Hugo. Well, we send you love, Hugo. Thank Speedy you. recovery. Thank you. Um, for those of you who are like ladies, 
Like what the? Like you get to the content. Get to the conversation. I just want to let you know that patience is a virtue, and if you have a dog, you fucking get it. You get it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my god! And this is how I do my show too. Like, great. This is just how it's supposed to be. This is exact. Let's keep it real. Let's drink our Lacroix and enjoy the moment. Yes. Um. Okay. So tell me about your practice and what. what inspired you to create this practice? What got you into it? Like, you know, as I was telling you a moment before, and my friend Mark Grove said this, you take your mess and you turn it into your message. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like me with my mm-hmm. anorexia, I now own a chocolate company trying to teach people how to eat mindfully and with presence and pleasure and a permission slip to eat. So talk mm-hmm. to me about your mess, talk to me yeah. about your message and all the things. Sure. I guess I, well, I know I became a therapist because my family was fucked up and I was trying to figure out how, because it wasn't obvious. Like when I was a kid, I would never have said I struggle with trauma. I would have never said there was addiction in my family, never would have said all those things, but it Mm. turns out, you know, $60,000 and a graduate degree later, Oh yeah, there was some of that stuff. Oh, cute. How convenient. Yeah. <laughs> right? How cute. I'll be paying for that for the rest of my life in more ways than one. <laughs> so so that's why I became a therapist. And I, I actually I remember the moment I I had gotten my undergraduate degree in music education singer. Um, didn't student teach because I knew I didn't want to be a teacher. So I have this useless degree. I ended up in um arts administration. So I like worked in box offices and, and I, I ended up working for a university in, in their concert hall. And I was working with the craziest motherfuckers. And I was like, I like, I need to go back to school to like figure out how to deal with shit like this. And I was sitting with my therapist at the time. And I remember being like, I'm not, I don't think I'm smart enough to go back to school. And mm-hmm. she was like, you don't even have to take the GRE. It's just a two year degree. And I was like, Bye. And I literally like signed up for the calc or it wasn't calc, the statistics course the next day that like you had to take as a prerequisite. Yes. Yeah. And the rest is history. So that's how I became a therapist. Beautiful. And then I started my group practice because of codependency. Because thank you for owning that. I really appreciate that. I mean, right? And I I actually try to save people who are like, oh, I I want the passive income of owning a group practice. There is nothing passive about it, Mm -hmm. right? We were just talking about being business owners and all the headaches that come with that. Oh, yeah. And it was, I I was in solo practice and I just got so many referrals that I was turning them away. And then a friend was like, oh, I was thinking about starting a practice. And I was like, well, here, take my referrals, join me. And then it, you know, it just keeps escalating. Yeah, it was born. And then I was like, well, fuck, now these are golden handcuffs because I need this income. (laughs) So it's like, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's, it's like people with children. Um, I don't have children and I don't want to have children. The business is my child and my employees are my children and not, not in an infantilizing way, but in a way that like, I can't imagine my life without them. I would never make a different decision. And yet it's hard. It's really, really hard. Yeah. It's where your energy's going. Yeah. 
It's mm-hmm. huge. It's yeah. totally huge. And it's so true. It's like, man, we, we adopt these things that, that take up that space and all of a sudden they are our babies, just like our little fur babies. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. so, so real. Right. Did you, do you specialize in anything in particular as a therapist? I started out specializing in addiction, which is cute that I didn't recognize it in my family. And Love I was it. like, oh, I just, I, yeah, I don't know. I just, these are my people. Cause like I can cuss with them and whatever. Yeah. We're cool. Yeah. And I, get I it. honestly, like personally, I'm attracted to the darkness of addiction because I, I understood that internal just darkness. I mean, that's just yeah. the only way I can describe it. You know, the, like the dark twisty, like I'm going to fuck shit up and get in my own way. Like I related to that so hardcore. Yeah. Um, as of late, I've, I've done more trauma training over the past couple years. And so that's attracted more trauma clients to me. Totally. And, you know, I'm a grateful member of Al-Anon. So I've been, you know, also attracting other folks who have loved ones who suffer with addiction. So that's really where my love is now. Cause I've, I've recognized there's, there's something in early recovery that it's, it's so important and it's so special, but that's no longer the work that I want to do. I want the people who have that solid foundation or like, let's go to the depths of the ocean yes. inside my soul. That's Whoa. where I want to go. Yeah. Go off. I love that. <laughs> and then, <laughs> I mean, look, like therapy has completely saved my life. I, I like, I, <laughs> I just made something on TikTok the other day. I'm like new to TikTok. So I'm like that person right now. I have now. no idea. You have to give me a tutorial. I will 100% give you the tea because it's <laughs> fascinating. Yeah. It's like a whole other world. Um, but there's this thing and it was like, um, I made a meme that was like, when people ask you why you're in therapy, it's like, the question is, why the fuck are you not? <laughs> it's yeah, like, right? I, I just don't know how people do it. And that's not a judgment. I just genuinely don't know how I did life pre-therapy because living so unconsciously is actually like, it's actually like pretty miraculous. Like how it did is. I not like end up in a ditch somewhere without Literally. the like, like ability to have boundaries or like the ability to trust my intuition or the ability to like respond more effectively to this situation. Like mm-hmm. I just, it, it's like actually what gives me faith that there is a God. <laughs> right. Right. I'm like, how did I do this before? Yeah. If you and- could like, Oh, go, go, go. I was just going to say, someone said, I can't remember if this is a movie, a meme, a client said it or what, but somebody said, you know, not being in therapy is pain that you don't choose. Being in therapy is pain you choose. Ooh. Right? (sighs) Right. Yeah, because the pain part is like, life isn't for sissies, man. No. Being human. Yeah. I would, I really, God, please hear me. I really want to be a dog in my next life. That is the shit. If I have to come back to earth, I want to be a dog, specifically a dachshund. Oh, (laughs) that is so sweet. Oh my God. I'm really loving this vibe. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Me too. 100. And I just love that it's specifically a dachshund because they're such little pumpkins. I know. They're such little pumpkins and they're always well taken care of too. Like people yes. like people love those babies yep. and they, they like get to eat whatever they want. Like in some ways, like, like right. they, cause they don't, they're kind of like French bulldogs in that sense where they like don't have a stomach stop stopper. Nope. Like they're just always ready. Yep. 
So give me all I mean, the cheese. Yeah. All the cheese, all yeah. the like prosciutto, like go nuts. Yes. Um, yes. fantastic. Okay, cool. So now we've cleared that up. <laughs> Lord, hear our prayer. God, great spirit, divine mother, all of it. Hear our prayer. We're going to, we're going to be dachshunds. Um, no, totally. I mean, that's real. Life is not for sissies. The human experience is that's mm-hmm. the whole, that actually really pisses me off. I, I was writing about this the other day there. Do you, I don't know if you remember that for a while and maybe it's still going on. I just, it's like out of my holographic world at this point. So I don't see it anymore, but for a while, the whole no bad days thing was a thing like Mm -mm. that. Yeah. I'm glad you don't know it. Mm -mm. I would have just punched every single hashtag in the face. That's unacceptable. Unacceptable. Like no bad days. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, yes, there are bad days. Let's just learn how to deal with the bad days. Right. Exactly. like I, you know, my, my mom passed away four months ago and it's oh, like, wow. yeah, it's a journey. And it's like, if someone told me like no bad days, I'd be like, dude, my mom just fucking died. Like, right. yeah, Fuck no you. bad days. Like suck my D like not <laughs> in not, like right? F off. Like how do mm. we deal? I mean, I know this is like the most blanketed statement ever, but yeah. like how do, how do we how do deal, we deal with, with bad days? <laughs> what do we do? What do you well, do? That's a great question. First off, that's another thing we have in common is Dead Mom Club. I'm so sorry. So it's, it's not a fun club. It yeah. And for me, yeah. And I'm gonna say for my mom, it's probably better. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, my my mom was in so much pain. Like I'm mm-hmm. so, you know, and of course, mm-hmm. like our relationship was magnificent and difficult, you know, mm-hmm, right. but I think it's hard no matter what to lose them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I found with my grief, cause my dad actually died nine months before that. So it was Whoa. like wham, bam in 2014. Whoa. Um, yeah. Brutal. Yeah. Super fun. <sighs> um, the more Love. complex the relationship, the more complex the grief Right. Cause I, cause when my dog, my dachshund died about a year and a half ago, Oscar, no. Oscar, we have like, have you gotten like any like the stuffed pillows? That's like the picture of the dog. No. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I've seen them. I just don't yeah. have one. Well, yes. we have one of Oscar. So he's right over there. So I'm oh. pointing to you, dear Oscar. We love you. He died. The, the, the sadness that I felt and I could compare it to how I felt about my parents' death. It was so pure. Like when people say grief is love that has nowhere to go, that's like when a pet dies. When someone you have a very complicated relationship dies, there's not only grief, there's anger, there's uh, relief, there's, you know, freedom. I mean, there's so many, so many nuances that go with that. And I, I am on a campaign to like, strike sorry for your loss from our vocabulary because it's yes. that's so trite and it's so like how do you fucking know it's a loss like the, and and even if it is a loss that is almost it's just not enough right yeah. because i don't know what your relationship is like with your mom so right. i'm not going to i'm not going to say until i know right yeah. and you said that you you had a great relationship and it was was difficult so yes, i can just say like I'm sorry that that happened, right? That you have oh. to deal with the struggle of that. Can we talk about grief for a second? Let's. I because know you asked me another question, but this one's, I think, more important. This one I think is more important. And I for, mm-hmm. fuck the other one. I don't remember what I said. Um, mm-hmm. But I just, 
we live in a culture that is like so cut off from grief. It's like, okay, you get like three days and then you're back to work. Okay. You get like this much and you're done. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, you cry about it for a second. And then like, if you keep crying, you're weird or, or like, Mm -hmm. or if you express something other than like, if you do express anger, if you do express relief, or if you do, then you're like kind Mm -hmm. of fucked up. Like it's this weird, you know, like we know that there are stages to grief and, and like I've, I've experienced them firsthand in this Mm -hmm. situation with my mom. But why do you think that we have this relationship to it? And what can we do to maybe have more compassion for ourselves in the process? Mm -hmm. My answer might be confusing. I don't know. We'll see where this goes. My answer is capitalism. Great. Because feelings aren't productive. They don't make us money. Uh Uh-uh. Right. I'm so glad that you're into this too, mm-hmm. because I just, I keep, it's funny since the light bulb turned on for me with the connection of like capitalism and racism and, and, uh, the patriarchy, all of that. I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, now I can't stop seeing it everywhere. So yeah. the web is so thick, like it's, and it's so long. Right. 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 So when we think from like, you know, uh, a productivity standard, of course, we only get three days off when a loved one dies because we have to get back to work because there are widgets to be made, Alexa. Yeah. Excuse me. Right. Pardon me. Uh, Right. So, mm -hmm. so I I think my hope is that more of us are, are awakening to that reality that we are in a society that doesn't have room for rest, sadness, any, anything other than like the question that you'd asked before was, you know, how do you deal with bad days? <clears throat> Part of it is knowing that that's the fucking human experience, knowing that rest and play and grief are also part of the human experience, not just being productive, making things happen, right? We are all wired that way or not, we're not wired that way. We are trained. Trained. Yeah. It's it's part of this system. It's like, if you were to take the archetype of the United States of America, it'd be like Mm -hmm. the renegade, the entrepreneur, the, the like builder, the doer, it's very yang. It's very aggressive. There's not, you know, where then you go to a different culture and it's like, oh no, the archetype is like the feminine. The archetype is, um, you know, the artist, the, you know, whatever. And that's Mm -hmm. just, that's just what we are accustomed to. Right. Right. And because the, I feel like our culture is shifting and we are asking for more space for the feminine. I think that's why there's so many fucking shootings because like white men are like, what? What? Wait, what? I have defined myself my whole life by this grind. All of a sudden you want me to change that and I have to respect you and I have to show emotion. I'd rather shoot people. Right. And I don't mean to be flippant with that. I want to be like, I want to be very cognizant that there might be people listening to this who've been, you know, had someone that they've lost because of all the violence. Like I am so beside myself about it these days that it's, I just, but I'm, I'm, I'm angry. And, and for me, anger has been an emotion that's been very shy for a long time. And it's only been like the past couple of years that I'm feeling it. And holy fuck, is it here? And it should be. Yeah. There's, there's some very productive things that come out of anger and rage, right. Right. huge, hugely productive. You're so right about, um, this, this asking people to change when they have never been asked to change. Mm-hmm. It's, um, 
you know, I, I like pride myself and it's, I pride myself on leaning into change and shift and knowing that that's like a part of my human experience. And guess what? I still don't always fucking love it. Right. So imagine if you're like that person that's like, this is the way it is. This is the way it's supposed to be. There's only masculine and feminine. There's only male and female. You can't have transgender people. You can't have, you know, LGBTQ, you know, like, right. You can't because that hasn't been so change is petrifying. And and anyone that we hate, it's not so much that we hate them. Mm -hmm. It's that we're afraid. Yeah. That's, right. that's my experience with it. Like, mm-hmm. like men who hate women, it's not like, oh, you hate women. It's like, you're just afraid that I'm actually fucking more powerful than you are. Yep. And like, that makes you less than on the scale. Right. Because you don't actually think that you're enough. <laughs> you right. Actually, you don't, your worth is put in something external. Right. Well, narcissism is like... You know, people think of narcissists like they think that they're so amazing. Like we can use Donald Trump as a perfect poster boy, right? He he thinks he thinks he's so amazing, but really he's empty inside and has no sense of self. That's really what narcissism is. And and you know, patriarchy and narcissism, like that's a that's a quote unquote powerful way. It's like a a pride identification way instead of a vulnerable way, which shame would be the more like vulnerable way to express our fear of what's inside. Um, so this pride based like narcissism, like that's all of the like patriarchal toxic masculine shit that yeah. I don't know when we're going to move out of this phase, but it is, ugh. it's brutal. It doesn't even get a word. It's just, ugh. it's just a feeling. It's just a, ugh. um, Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. And that's, and it's, it's hard because it's like, it's not about, I feel that sense of empathy because Mm -hmm. I think there is like a, uh, they're just figuring it out too. Right. Mm -hmm. You know? And again, they've been in, in their own golden handcuffs Mm -hmm. with the inability to have any sort of emotion it's like stoicism is and not stoicism in the like mm-hmm. context of, of like a religious context but like stoic yeah um you know that's well, that can't be easy either I mean my my husband is such a great example of the tension um because he is a very like I think I think about people in terms of like energy right if you have a masculine energy a feminine energy I have a very masculine energy he has a very feminine energy right yeah this is why we love each other um you and me immediately and me and yeah. my husband <laughs> yes. um but, but um, I know you all can't see it but I'm doing the like yeah yeah side thing eyes, like the right. eyes thing yeah 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 <laughs> I see you I see um Right. And so he and his his dad died, gosh, was it like 15 years ago now? But I remember like at that time he couldn't cry and he was very concerned that he couldn't cry because he knew he was sad. Right. But then, you know, he's been he's been in men's groups for the past, gosh, eight or so years now and has been really trying to figure out how to fucking feel. And he's a feminine man, not a feminine, a female like energy type person. I don't want to say he's not a feminine, like he's not gay. He's like, he'll be so offended to hear this. But um, (laughs) but even if he's someone who 
is in touch with that side of, of himself is struggling yes. to actually let himself feel emotion. How could somebody who comes from the middle of Indiana is told to, you know, have guns, you know, whatever, you know, treat your chick like a side piece, wh whatever it is that they're right. taught. How could that person ever have a chance without a lot of intervention, right? Oh my God, can we all please get into therapy and like maybe take some psychedelics? Like, yes. <laughs> I think we should run for president. This I was had this joke the other day on Facebook, like let's run for president and our platform is therapy for everyone. I mean, really though, like right. honestly, it, I, I, I thought that the, I, I was writing about this the other day too. I was like, God, if therapy were mandated, right? Like, if therapy were mandated, think of how less, how much less crime, how much less, you know, abuse, less shootings. I'm like, oh, and think how, how much more tired therapists would be because the people didn't want to be there. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. A hundred percent. That's true. We would need so many, A, we need so many more therapists and mm -hmm. B, we would need like su support upon support upon support Yeah. for the therapist. That actually brings me to my next question. Mm -hmm. You were talking to me a bit earlier about support, how important mm -hmm. it is for therapists to be in mm -hmm. therapy as well. Mm -hmm. And it, it, sh it shocks me. Because I think we all do this on some level, like we expect people to show up in the world the way we do. Right. And so I expect that everybody who's a therapist is like, oh, I am going to do the deep work. I'm going to excavate this shit. But there there's plenty of therapists who are so scared to do their own work that they don't do it. And, you know, yeah. there's the saying that we can only take people as far as we've gone ourselves. And I, I see that being true. You know, I hear a ton of stories of, of clients who come in and, and they tell me what happened in their previous therapy. And, and, you know, I, I, I try to reserve judgment because I do, I, I, I know how hard it is to make the decision to like jump off a cliff and do that deep dive. But at the same time, I think that if a therapist isn't willing to do that work, they could really harm their client by not seeing something, you know, so, so many, so many things, you know, I had yes. somebody once, I don't think they were my client. I think it was somebody I was supervising and they were telling me about their client who basically they said that their previous therapist, they would take 30 minutes to talk about the client's issue and then 30 minutes to talk about whatever was going on for the therapist. And I was like, horrified oh, that oh. that was this person was paying for that for I don't know how long oh dear yeah I you know I have a th I have a therapist now who I absolutely adore and um just because there's been such growth since working with her she's really mm. shifted so many things she's Good really for you know, oh my god I'm so grateful but I did have a therapist before her for like three years Mm -hmm. where it was like that. It, mm -hmm. it wasn't, it wasn't like the, she would talk about herself for 30 minutes, but it was, it just wasn't, it, we were mostly working on eating disorder stuff at the time. Mm -hmm. And there was just nothing productive about it. It was like, it, mm -hmm. she was making it all about the food rather than like the mm -hmm. actual cause, which is like what, like the behavior, like why I was actually engaging in that behavior and like what I was trying to avoid and what I was right. like. Well, what's engaging. the trauma underneath that? Ex right. Exactly. Cause and I, there was think, no, yeah. nothing about that. It was all just like, okay, like tell me about your food behavior and like, what can we do about that behavior? Well, let's talk about our cultural misunderstanding of trauma, right? right. You know, I, 
it really is only like the past two years that I've truly understood my trauma history and I'm still trying to piece things together. And if I've been a therapist for 12 years and have extensive post-master's training, I should have gotten this before. Right. And so if a therapist is not educated in trauma and the general population isn't educated about trauma, like it's really, really just been in the past like 10 years or so that the trauma field has started exploding. And, you know, we, I, I told you before we started recording, I practice a, a type of therapy called NARM, the neuroaffective relational model. And, you know, we talk about developmental trauma, essentially just being any failure in the environment to meet your needs the way you needed them to be met. That's it. So you don't have to have fucked up parents to have trauma. You don't have to have experienced, you know, uh, a sexual assault or or something else that you deem as terrible, right? Trauma can just simply be misattunement. Thank you for that. Because I think, <laughs> no, truly, because yeah. people are like, oh, whatever, like, no big deal. My life has been what it's been. It's fine. It's like, it's not like I had anything bad happen, like big, right. bad, like right. capital T trauma. Like, right. trauma, it, it happens all, I mean, like- I mean, but my freaking French bulldog that you can probably hear yes. snoring right now. I can't, but I wish I could. Oh my God. Well, I mean, I can put the mic there if you want. <laughs> um, like him getting bit in the face today was fun. Like I was yeah. walking, I walked with him for an hour after that. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you, because I have like tremendous body awareness, because I've yeah. been a yoga and meditation teacher for the last eight years. Like I'm like, wow, my nervous system is really upregulated. Like yes. wow, I feel like I have cortisol rushing through my body right now. Yeah. Wow. I could cry at, at the drop of a like needle. Like I, and yeah. it's like, it doesn't have to be a big thing, but when your body is in that fight, flight, freeze response, <laughs> it's like the, the issues are indeed in the tissues right. and the body remembers. Right. And, and if you think about, you know, developmental trauma usually is chronic, right? It's, it's not like, right. oh, you, let's say like you were hungry and your parent didn't understand just one time, like right. that's, that's, that's not it. It's really right. constant happening over a long period of time. Right. <clears throat> and it's often, I think for our generation, I'm guessing you're a little bit younger than me, but ish, probably within 10 years around the same. Um, I think for our generation, essentially, you know, our, our parents were so interested in like, they were trying so hard to attune that they were misattuning because Mm -hmm. they were still resonating with their own trauma internally. Yes. And hadn't done that work. Right. Cause I can't see you clearly if I can't see myself clearly again, going back to therapists doing their own work. Right. So what I've learned a lot in NARM is how much my shit was getting in the way of the client's own work. Cause I, So like if, you know, if you were to come to me and you're like, oh, I'm struggling with this thing, I would tell myself I have to, I have to make something happen for you because you're paying me. So I'm pressuring myself to make sure that you change. I don't have any fucking control over that. And I was pressuring myself for the last 12 years. And finally now I'm like, all I can do is hold a mirror. And it's your job to change. And I'll just keep, I'll keep, you'll, you'll keep moving. I'll keep moving the mirror to show you like that. And that is all a product of my trauma because I had to continue to contort myself to try to show up in a way that was acceptable to my family, you know? So we, we, we can't get away from it. We got to do the work. 
You just hit so many like ding, ding, dings for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's so important. Well, it's like this, it's this pushing rather than allowing thing too. Like, I'm going to push this healing on you versus like allowing for people to have a space for them to actually get it themselves because we can, we can know something, but until we know something like in our heart, in our resonance and like, Oh Mm -hmm. shit, I just like, Whoa, I came to that on my own. Like then then we don't know it. Like, like, mm-hmm. you know, we've all, we've all seen the, like, oh, you should love yourself. It's like thrown around like confetti, like cool. Great. Awesome. Cool. How? Yeah. Ex- thank you. Yeah. It's like, how, mm-hmm. what does that look like for me? Like, what does that feel like for me? And until you engage in that, in your own way of like, oh, right. this is, this is somatically what this feels like and resonates for me. You can't do that for me. Right. I can't. And like nobody could you, do that for me either. No, of course right. not. Mm-hmm. And mir- like mirrors, that is it. Like people, yeah. what other people? Like they're right. all reflections of you. Mm-hmm. And how beautiful for you, especially with codependent stuff, like, you know, I, I relate. Like I used to walk in even to a yoga class to be like, oh, I want to make sure I'm giving everybody exactly what they need. Cause they're here. Yes. They really need this. And I'm like, I'm going to fucking right. teach the class I want to fucking teach today. Right. This is what exactly. I'm dealing with. So here's, let's see if, let's see if we matched. Let's see if we aligned. If you mm-hmm. didn't, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Live right. well. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it, it creates so much space. Right. Yeah. And it's funny. I take it in a deep breath as you say that. Exactly. That's, that's, yeah, I was, I was doing group supervision with my staff today and one of my, one of my staff members, I know he'll be fine with me picking on him. He and I share this very much like pressuring ourselves and, you know, he was talking about this client where he feels really stuck. And it was, one of the things we talked about today was playing with silence, right? What's it like as a therapist to just sit there and say nothing. And he was like, whoa, all the fucked up shit that I tell myself when I'm sitting there in silence. But when we create space, the client's going to fill it. And then that's information, right? Sometimes the client fills it with a story, which is just the same. They're essentially like we re-traumatize ourselves by telling the same story over and over. And it's just like the neural pathways. We kind of get caught in that like... I don't know if you ever went to an amusement park that had like the cars that were on the track. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. That's what it's like when we just continue to tell our story. And we've, we've been finding with the pandemic, a lot of the clients who are coming in right now don't know how to do therapy. They think that they're just supposed to come in and vent. But it's like, we're not just telling the story. Just telling the story is just continuing to reinforce what you've already been doing. What we want to invite is a reflection on, oh, isn't it interesting that I feel more comfortable telling this story than I do feeling a feeling or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. My God, that's so huge. And, and again, I've paid a lot of money to do that. Right. We all have. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know. My hope, too, is that I I hope we can change the education system for therapists, you know, because, I mean, first of all, getting a two year master's degree, you're just scratching the surface. But but I think I think if 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 we started with a foundation of every disorder is a product of trauma, how much differently we would we would be working with people. And I I don't 
I don't know that there are any universities that necessarily do that. Um, and, and there's very little universities that I think incorporate any sort of somatic training, embodied training. It's kind of like doctors who get like a, like a two week course in nutrition. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. They're like, they're like getting their PhD and they're, you know, learning about every single, you know, cell mm-hmm. in our body. And then they're like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll cover, uh, cover nutrition for two weeks. It's like, right. oh, okay, mm-hmm. sure. Yep. That'll, right. that'll do it. That'll and, do it. and they get a two week rotation for mental health. Wow. Yeah, that's it. I used to work with doctors who were addicted. Um, and, and were in, in maybe losing their licenses because of it. And they would tell me every time, like we would, we would talk about the brain. We would talk about how, you know, the system gets hijacked. And of course, like you're going to continue to choose the drug or the drink over and over again. And they'd be like, I should have learned this in school. I'm like, I know, go back and tell your school. Like we just have to advocate for change once we, once we know better. Yes. There's so many things that are being integrated around Mm -hmm. this. And I think people are finally having these conversations where it's like, it's not just, it's not just, you know, it's not just mental hygiene, it's physical Mm -hmm. hygiene. It's Mm -hmm. not just physical hygiene, it's uh, emotional hygiene. It's like, Mm -hmm. it all has to, that's, that's holistic health. Mm -hmm. That's really, yeah. What? What? Bingo, bango, bongo. Like, yeah, that's so good. And I'm, I'm so sure. glad more people are having these conversations. I think that I think there is a shift and I think we're at the beginning of the shift. So I don't know that in our lifetimes, we're going to see the fruit of all of this labor, yeah. but I'm hopeful that generations, not my, not my lineage, because I'm not having kids, but someone's, <laughs> whoever is having children in the world, like I, I just think about our generation having kids, knowing what we know about the importance of therapy, about holistic healing, about clean eating, like all of the things. And then what the generations after that are going to be like, that is so cool. And I hope I'm a ghost. I get to haunt somewhere really cool. And I get to see all the shit. Yes. Like as a, as a ghost dachshund. I was just going to say a dachshund. <laughs> Yes, or just come back as a dachshund. Wouldn't it be, I love to fantasize about dogs in her life. And we always used to say that like Oscar was like an old soul and he was so wise. So I'm going to, I'm going to put out in the universe that when I come back as a dachshund, that I'm going to have all my human knowledge and I'm just going to like watch and enjoy. Okay. That's actually really cool. That's what I want. And that should probably be a Pixar movie. Somebody call me and I will sell you the rights to that TMTM. That's so good. Okay, wait. So did you see <laughs> did you see the movie Soul? No, yet? I fuck Disney Plus, fuck all of these new platforms. I really want to see Soul, but I, I refuse know. to pay $6.99. Okay, and I get I'm the worst, but I oh. did a free trial and then I quit. I did a trial. I already did the free trial. Oh, see there you maybe know. I could make up a new email. Do it. Okay. Sorry, Disney Plus. You do not sponsor this podcast. If you want me to say nicer things, you should sponsor this podcast. But but truly, that was, um, that is the reason I saw it because it was right. It came out right after my mom passed. And and I was like, oh, this would be nice. And I I hate to like spoil, but like a little bit of what you just, a little bit of what you just said is involved in that film. Right. So they they may have beat you to it a little Shit. bit. I know. I know. Well, 
yeah, but do see it. If you guys haven't seen soul, I, I do recommend it. Yeah. I've heard it's so good. And maybe I'll fucking just pay six ninety nine for one month, watch yeah. it for a night. Yeah. 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 It's worth, it's worth it. It's worth yeah. it. Six ninety nine for True. that. I, I think so. Okay. So if you were to, if, if you could recommend, I just realized I'm like, Oh, it's already been 45 minutes. Um, <laughs> I'm like, hello. Um, if you could recommend three books mm. to us mm. that would maybe help us cultivate a deeper understanding of self mm-hmm. or three books that have changed your life or shifted yeah. something within you, what would you say? Dig. First would be uh, Healing Developmental Trauma by Lawrence Heller. Great. So that's the guy who developed NARM, and I'm obsessed oh. with NARM. And so that's cool. basically like an intro to what it's all about. Um, and there, there's so many pieces in that that I think you specifically, just based on our conversation today, will be like, whoa, I identify with a lot of this. Yeah. So that would be one. Um, the, what is it called? The Racial Healing Handbook. Mm. That one is really lovely. And it's written by a person of color. And, you know, we didn't talk about anti-racism, but that's another big passion of mine. Inviting. We'll have to have you on again. Great. Let's do it. I, I mean, two white ladies talking about anti-racism though. Maybe not yeah, the cutest, maybe not. but, yeah. but, um, so I do would just want to put that in there that that that's a beautiful book. Cause it's actually written for white people and people of color. Great. And it's an actual workbook. So you, you fill out things in that. And what else has changed my life? I don't read any fiction. I only read, um, <laughs> Right. I'm, this is totally off the wall and I'm kind of thinking you might be into it. I don't know about your listeners, but it's a book on ancestor veneration. I can't even remember the title. I'll have to send it to you. But since my parents are dead, I really got interested in mediumship and connecting with the the afterlife. Great. With that, we should have a podcast about just the witchy shit. I love the witchy shit. Let's go. We'll do that on mine. We'll do that. We'll we'll go there on mine. Mm -hmm. Um, So did you see um, on Netflix? um, Yes. Surviving death. Surviving death. I watched it instantly. Me too. Like voraciously. I was like, (sighs) yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I have a bunch of podcast recommendations for you to listen to too, because I'm so into ghosts right now. (laughs) Oh, good. My little dachshund ghost. I'm so excited. Um, First of all, like such a joy to talk with you. You're so fucking cool. Thank you. This gave me life. Me too. Me too. Me too. Um, How can we all connect to you? You can, uh, oh, I didn't even tell you the name of my podcast. It's called Conversations with the Wounded Healer. So you can listen to that. Therapists do your therapy because the wounded healer is the best healer. Right. Um, So you can listen to that. Instagram is probably the best way to connect to me. It's at Head Heart Therapy, which is the name of my practice. Thank you. Which is what you said earlier with the, you know. Right. That's exactly why I named it that. Love it. Um, our website is headhearttherapy.com. Yeah. Check us out. Come hang, connect, do the shit. So into it. Well, I can't wait to talk to you again. You're the bee's knees. You too. All right, you guys, thank you so much for carving out the time to listen to 
this wisdom, to listen to uh, all this goodness. Um, once again, gentle reminder to please check out savagelosangeles.com to learn more about my new company that I'm so proud of. I hope it inspires you to create and cultivate a life that you dig. Um, and also if you are down and have, you know, oh, I don't know, 10 seconds, then please, please give this podcast a five-star review on iTunes. Super easy. Just give it five stars, maybe say a few kind words. And if you dug it, please share it with your friends. I would be over the moon with gratitude. Um, all right. You guys are the bee's knees. Much love. Stay savage. Stay savage.